You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Man, yeah, that's fair. Understandable. Um, Continuing our, our series in Advent, I hope you guys have had a fantastic week, and I hope that it feels a little bit more um, like Christmas because we're actually in December now, right? Like last week I was preaching on Christmas, and you guys are like, still November, Blake. What are you doing? This is not time yet. So we finally made it to December, and so today we get to this idea of peace. The second week of Advent, we're going to be talking about peace. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to open up, we're actually going to be hanging out in Psalm 23 today. So if you want to open up your Bible, that's where we're going to be. Um, but I have a question. I want to ask you guys, what does peace look like in your everyday life? What is it? What is your like, how do you experience peace just during the week? Calm. What? Bedtime. Amen to that. Anyone with kids? Bedtime. That's a great one. Coffee, yeah. Yeah, once the babies are sleeping, yeah. Oh, watching them sleep. Oh, that's good. That's good. Anything else? I remember the last house we lived in was a little bit smaller than our current house, and I had been with Zeke all day. Maddie had been at work, and it was just a lot. We also have um, a 110-pound dog named Chewbacca who lives in the house with us. We didn't know he was going to be 110 pounds when we got him, or he would not be living in the house with us, right? And he's loud and needy, and so just all day I had been around our son that's like a tornado and our dog that was loud and needy, and I was like, I just need a minute. I was like, I just need a second. Maddie came home, and I was like, I got to... So I go, and I'm taking a shower, thinking like, peace and quiet, right? Like, the bathroom, no matter... if It seems like the bathroom is like a haven sometimes. You're like, I could just go in there. Everything else doesn't exist anymore. You, I want to go in the shower, and all I can hear is Zeke screaming and the dog barking. The whole time I'm in the shower, and I was like, I can't even, not for a single second, can I get any peace. And I don't know if your life feels like that sometimes. Does it feel like that sometimes? You're like, it doesn't matter where I go, I cannot find peace. I feel like that a lot. And yes, after the kids go to bed, you nailed it, Tracy. That is like the perfect, that's like my definition of like peace on earth is what I have, is when those kids go to bed. So when I was thinking about about peace this morning and what that looks like in our lives, the passage that popped in my head is the one that I had you guys turn to, Psalm 23. It's just such a picture of what it looks like to have peace. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to kind of go through chunk by chunk in reading and kind of seeing what it says here. So Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths for his name's sake. Isn't that a great picture of peace? Isn't that such a great image of peace? And I love that it starts off with the phrase, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Because if you think about it, like in our lives, living in the United States of America, like you lack nothing, right? Like you have more than you need for the most part, right? And so it, it bothers me that Christmas has become, 
hey, what do you not have? Right? Like that's what all the commercials, hey, what do you not have? Hey, what do you need? What are you missing? What, if you had it, would make your life happy? And it's almost like we get whiplash from Thanksgiving, right? Like Thanksgiving, you're like, tell me all the things you're thankful for. And then at midnight, it's like, tell me all the things you need. They're on sale right now. Like that's, you, it's like, whoa, I was just thinking about all these things I was thankful for. All of a sudden, I'm thinking about all these things that I want. I didn't know I needed an Instant Pot, but now that it's 75% off, I got to have one right now. I need an air fryer, apparently. I didn't even know you could fry air, but now I need one. That's a southern thing. Even southerners can make air unhealthy. We can fry that. Yeah, we can fry that. I know what an air fryer is. <laughs> but I think that, that that statement is such a key to understanding what peace is, Right? is getting rid of this idea of like, I need this, I gotta have this. I see this commercial and now all of a sudden I need a Peloton. I don't know, I, I never rode the stationary bike I had before, but now if you put a TV in front of it, I'm gonna ride it all the time. Like you see these commercials and it's like, I need these things. And if we had this approach to life of, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. There's nothing that I need that I don't already have. And this, this, the following picture just shows what it looks like to live in that, right? To live in that realization of like, I have everything I need. I lack nothing. And I think when we forget, that's the first step in losing peace, is when we forget that we lack nothing. Have you, any of you guys ever been on a lazy river? Anybody? Don't just nod, I need to know. Yeah, so most everybody. For those of you guys who don't know, a lazy river, uh, it's usually at a water park, and it's like basically a pool that floats around the whole water park, right? Like you get in, and if you just sit there, it'll just carry around all day. You can just sit in a lazy river. And like I haven't been to a water park in a long time. I think once I realized what germs were, I was like, mm, I'm not so big a fan of a water park. Um, and so, it, but it's such a, a, a cool experience. Because all you do is you just get in, you enjoy the water, you feel the heat from the sun, but you have the cool refreshment, and you just, you're just floating along, right? It's a great feeling. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're like, man, I could go for a lazy river if it was a little bit sunnier, right? It's so refreshing, and I feel like that is a great picture of what it looks like to have this kind of peace. Like, you know what? I'm just going to sit. I'm going to let my Savior dictate where I'm going. I'm going to just sit in his presence and enjoy the refreshment. He refreshes my soul. I love that phrase. But what happens is that we want control. We want to plan where we're going and make sure that we're safe and protected. So instead of just sitting and enjoying the ride, we try to take that control. And we can't do that nearly as well as God can, right? We're not going to be able to protect ourselves we're not going to be able to control things nearly as well as God can. And the more I thought about this metaphor as I was writing this message, the more I loved it. I was like, man, one, I like, I like a good lazy, lazy, river, lazy river. I like a good lazy river. That's what I'm trying, my, my mouth sometimes. Because the point of the lazy river is just to enjoy the water and let it guide you. I think we should have that attitude with God. Enjoy his presence and let him guide you. Enjoy his 
presence and let him guide you. That's what we see in this first section of Psalms here, is enjoy his presence, let him guide you. It sounds great, right? Like, if only I could do that. See, we try to do too much. We try to do too much. We get in this lazy river and we're like, you know what? I'm going to be the Michael Phelps of this lazy river. And I'm just going to book it because I'm going to be the best one in this lazy river. But what happens is all of a sudden you start pushing people away, right? Like if somebody, if you're in a lazy river and you're just floating along, somebody's like doing laps, you're like, get away from me, right? So if you're, if you're trying, like, I need to do better, I got to keep going, I got to push, I got to be the best one, and now you're hitting people, you're pushing people away, people might get out. People might be like, I can't do this anymore, because this person is trying too hard, and it's totally ruined this for me. And we do that sometimes. But you want to know who the, be- the person who is the best at enjoying the lazy river is? The person with the big hat and the sunglasses that you're like, they might be sleeping. Right? You know, you know you've seen them that you're like, I'm not sure if you're awake or asleep right now. That's the person who's doing the best in the lazy river. Because they're not worried about anything. They're just enjoying it and letting it guide them. But what happens is in church culture, we've made it, I got to do this, I got to get better, I have to do, I have to. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to just sit and enjoy his presence and let him guide us. Employ a lazy river spirituality. A lazy river spirituality. Stay in the water. Enjoy the presence of God. John Piper has this saying that he says, um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when the thing that we enjoy most, the thing that gives us the most satisfaction is him. If we do this, if we say, hey, I just want to be with God. There's such a peace in this idea. You brought up, Jesse, you brought up seeing your kids sleep. I think that's such a fantastic example. Newborns are awesome at this, right? They are the best because one, they don't try to go anywhere, right? Or if they do, they're not good at it, right? Like they're really good at just staying put. The most terrifying thing is when you think your kid is good at staying put and then they roll off the couch. That's not fun. He's okay, I promise. Um, But what happens is this newborn that is so good at staying in your arms that you see the peace in the face of a sleeping newborn. And you're like, man, what peace. And what happens is they start to get, they grow up, they get a little more independent. They're like, hey, I got this. Then what happens? Start going on their own, start bumping their head, they start scraping knees. Because there's danger in the independence. And the more you try to do things on your own, the, the more trouble you're actually going to be in. So for us, we have to know that that means the closer we stay to God, the more we're just letting him carry us and letting him guide us, the safer, the more peace we're going to have. Some of the best advice I've ever heard was when I was, um, when God was calling me to, to be a pastor, and I was talking to Danny Hedgepeth, who a lot of you guys know, it was an interim pastor here for a couple of years, and uh, he said, if I were starting all of my ministry over, if I were starting from scratch, 
what I would tell myself is just love Jesus and tell people about him. Just love Jesus and tell people about him. And that is advice that I have clung to because it is so easy. It is so easy to try to do things. It is so easy to try to do things in our Christian life that it's like, hey, if I do this thing, then it will get better. It's like, no, just love Jesus. Tell people about him. Just enjoy his presence. Let him guide you. I have another little uh, activity for us to do. So get your hands ready. You guys got your hands ready? All right, I'm going to have you guys count. We're about to read a passage from John 15. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. I want you to count the number of times the word remain is used. Don't count out loud. It'll distract me. I won't be able to read as well. Just use your fingers, right? Okay. We're starting off easy. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the, Father has, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. How many did we get to? 11. Good. My math was right. Thank you. 11 times. The word remain is used 11 times in these 17 verses. I'd say that's probably like a key word, right? Like that's probably a word that when we walk away from this passage, that's a word that we were meant to remember. It was written in scripture, so it's like, hey, take this away. Remain. It's the same idea of remaining. And then he says, if you want to remain in me, you must keep my commands. And this was such a a difficult phrase for Jews to hear because they're like, man, there are 613 laws that we're supposed to keep. And what does he say, though? He he clarifies. He says, my command is this. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. So his command is, is... Lay down your life for others. Lay yourself down for others and love each other. We add so many things, right? We're like the person trying to swim faster in the lazy river. It's like, I got to do more. No, just love. When the Pharisees ask Jesus, they're like, hey, what is is the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love people. 
That's what it all boils down to. All of the law comes down to those two ideas. Love God. Love people. Embrace the peace of remaining in and with your good God. Because we rob ourselves of peace when we try to do things ourselves. When we get focused on the stuff and what we can do instead of just being with God. Continuing in Psalm chapter 23, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What we see in this passage is that what Jesus is offering us is a better peace. What Jesus is offering is a better peace. We started off today talking about all these these situations in which we feel peace. But all those are temporary. Because your kid's going to wake up. Lord willing. Your kid's going to wake up. That peace is done. You know, whatever that experience is that you're like, this is my, you're going to get to the end of your coffee, Right? You're going to hit that last sip and be like, man, now i got to figure something else out. Pour it, refill, right? That we are looking for peace. And everything, all the peace that we talk about, that we look to, is temporary. And Jesus offers us a better peace. One of my pet peeves is when people teach that following Jesus makes your life easier. Or that following Jesus is going to give you finances, it's going to fix all your problems, That's a false gospel. That is a false gospel. Because here what we see is that in this Psalm 23, they are following God. He is leading us, right? He leads me beside still waters. He leads us sometimes to the darkest valleys. Sometimes when we are following him, when we are enjoying his presence and following him, we're going to walk into some dark places. We might find ourselves surrounded by our enemies. And what I love about this passage is the, um, the contrast. Because when you're in, when you're in a dark and, and shadowy valley, a lot of times what happened back then is that's where robbers were, right? You're walking through a dark valley, you can't see very well, and that's where you might get robbed. And so in a place where a rod and a staff normally would be terrifying, because that's really what you're afraid of. You're afraid of somebody coming at you with a rod and a staff. And to contrast that, David here in Psalm 23, he says, look, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is this idea that when we're close to God, when we are following him, when he has led us into the darkness, we know that he is still close. He's leading us into dark places means that we're not alone because you can't lead somewhere where you're not. What incredible peace. And that this peace is not attainable by earthly means. This is supernatural peace. This is supernatural peace. To be able to experience peace in the darkest valleys. No matter what the situation, what season we're in, when we're remaining with God, when we're remaining in God, we have peace. 
My favorite passage about peace comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. My favorite practical passage about peace. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Now here, he's not talking about clinical anxiety like we talk about. He's talking about uh, like stress or worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Such a fantastic, practical thing to do, right? Because it's like, it's one thing for me, I, I say this frequently, it's one thing for me to stand up here and be like, have peace, have a good week. And you'd be like, what? I don't know what that means. I don't, you can't, you can't just like have peace. And Paul's telling us how. Take your request to God. Is there something that is causing you to stress, causing you to worry? Take it to God. And I love that it includes there to, to take it with thanksgiving. Because what did Psalm 23 start with? Thanksgiving. I lack nothing. There's nothing else that I need. And so when we come to God and we're saying, hey, there's this thing I'm worried about, and we have this attitude of, but I have everything I need, that's when we allow his peace to start to work. And it's peace that surpasses understanding. That's, I love that about this, that it's like, this is not just temporary kids are sleeping peace. This is not just you know, stars are out, traffic has stopped, you're sitting on your porch and just listening to the crickets piece. This is peace that surpasses understanding. This is peace that when you're in the darkest valley and you have peace, it's like that doesn't make any sense. I have to take these things to God because he knows about it anyway, right? Like he's not doing us any good to not talk to him about it. He already knows we just need reassurance. Like a, like a kid who just needs to know that they scrape their knee. They just need to know that their parent is there. They just need their parent to pick them up and say, it's going to be okay. Sometimes that's what we need. We need to say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we need to be able to hear him say, it's going to be okay. And he has that peace for us. I love that this passage in Psalms, we, we talk about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, the de of death, and you've heard that a lot, I love the next phrase just as much, that he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. To me, that's far scarier than walking through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Because like that's valley of the, the darkest valley, it's like there's probably danger here, but preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies, that is danger, <laughs> That's like, this is guaranteed danger. We know for a fact I am sitting in the presence of my enemies, and yet you can still have peace. Again, goes back to a parent and a child. Bullies straighten up a lot when the other kid's parents are there. You're not going to see a kid hit another kid when their dad is standing right next to him. That would just be dumb, right? Like, I think if I, the kid did that to my kid, I would just I would probably look at him and say, "Are you dumb? Like, what do you, you do? You not see me right here?" And I, I think that that's what happens is that it's like that safety is not there if you're preparing your own table in the presence of your enemies and you have wandered away from God. That present that that peace is only there when you are in His presence, preparing, having Him prepare the table for you. 
Just like if a kid wanders off, the bully might get to him. But if a kid stays with their parent, there's safety there. There's peace there. There's comfort knowing that I can, with you here, I can sit with my enemies surrounding me. I can just have a nice meal, eat our happy meal, get the applesauce. Everything's good. Play with my toy for a little while. I know my dad's right here. Have that level of peace. We are in his presence. Because you're going to walk through tough times. Period. You are going to walk through tough times. Being a believer doesn't make all of your problems go away. Jesus is, is talking with his disciples at one point in, in the book of John, and he says, he's explaining to them, like, hey, I'm about to leave. Like, I'm about to go. And he's telling them this to kind of get them ready. And then he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Seems pretty clear, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to be distraught when he died. He knew this. He was like, look, I'm going to go. You're going to have a really hard time with it. And I think even after he ascended, there were probably days that the disciples missed having Jesus there. Wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that there would be days that it would be like, man, I really wish you were here for this. Man, I wish I miss watching him just walking, seeing all the things he would do. I think Jesus was saying, look, you're going to have those hard days. You're going to have the days where it's like, man, where did you go? He says, do not have peace in your circumstances because your circumstances are going to change. Can anybody amen that? Your circumstances are going to change. Things might be great now. Don't count on it for <laughs> forever. Things might be really hard now. Don't count on it staying that way. Your circumstances change, so if we try to have peace in our circumstances, it's always going to fall short. It's not until we put our peace when we look for our peace in him. And that's what Jesus says. He says, in me, you may have peace. You may not have peace in your current situation, but you can have peace in God. And that is such a better peace. Because that's a peace that's not going anywhere. That's a peace that's not going to change. Because even though circumstances change, we serve a God who does not change. Looking at this last passage from Psalm 23, he says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How comforting is that? That's Christmas. This is Christmas. That God was chasing after us. That his goodness and his love was following us. He sent Jesus to the earth in pursuit of us so that we could have that connection, that relationship with him. When we realize that God only wants what is good for us. When we realize this first part, that surely your goodness and love will follow me, it makes us want to dwell in his house. It makes us want to just 
remain. Makes us want to stay in the lazy river and just enjoy his presence. That's the last point for today is just seek his presence. That's where we find peace. Seek his presence. One thing that we don't do well in our modern day society is to just sit, right? I'm terrible at it. I've been terrible, in my defense, I've been terrible at it my entire life. When I was growing up, I always had to have some kind of like toy or like a Game Boy or something. Like my mom and my grandmother, we would go, they would take me to the mall and I just have to sit in JCPenney. And there's nothing worse than sitting in the women's clothes section of a JCPenney when you're an eight-year-old boy. It's awful. Please don't do that to your child. And what would happen is I would just like find stuff on the ground and play with it. And my grandmother would be like, can't you just be? She said that to me all the time. Can't you just be to this day? No, I cannot. I cannot just be. I'm really bad at just being. But sometimes that's what peace looks like. That's what we're called to do. Is this lazy river is just be. Just be. So you guys know I'm not opposed to like doing weird things in church, right? You guys know this. It's not that weird. Don't worry. I like for us to do what we're talking about. I like for us to put into practice what we're talking about. So when I say seek his presence, again, I don't want to just be like, have fun, bye. I want us to do that. So what I'm going to do is we're not going to play any, we'll do music at the end, but like we're not going to play any music back there, but I want us to just sit in the presence of God this morning. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands and put them open and up. You can either put them here, you can lay them in your lap, whatever's most comfortable, set them beside you, whatever's most most comfortable, but to symbolize this openness to the presence of God. And what we're going to do is we're going to just sit in the presence of God. It's going to be a lot of silence. I'm going to read some scripture too. We got uh, some scripture from Psalms, and then the last thing I'm going to read is from the, the book of John. But I want us to just sit in the presence of God. So let's close our eyes and let's just be in his presence. Psalm 37 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 46 says, the Lord Almighty is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. O God of Jacob, our fortress. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. words of Jesus in John 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God, help us to be better at just being with you. In the chaos of the world, sometimes we might feel like we're just always needed by somebody else. If I might feel the, that pull of being needed by our kids or by our job, by yard work, by fixing things. God, let us feel the peace with you. Help us when we try to do too much We forget to just be with you. God, help us to not just seek peace 
in, in the, the literal quiet, but to seek you in the quiet. That we wouldn't just be satisfied with temporary peace. that we would see that soul-refreshing peace that we can have with you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.